You are listening to the Sermon Podcast of Redemption Chapel in Stowe, Ohio. For more resources and information, go to redemptionchapel.com. So I wonder if some of you grew up in church with the experience of having a pastor who in some way was like an old Baptist preacher. You know, like when he would, he would get to the end of the sermon or what you thought was the end of the sermon, right? And then he'd say something like, let me close with this. And all the rookies would start gathering their things, right? But all the veterans got more comfortable because you know it could be another 20 minutes, right? Like, let me close with this. Does not mean the man is closing, right? All right. Today we are closing Second Corinthians. Church, this is a moment to celebrate. We have just, today we'll finish another book of the Bible of God's word that we've studied together. I think that's worth celebrating. Do you? I mean, that's wonderful. Love it. I love that we as a family of faith like taking books from God's word and just working through them. And so we'll wrap up 2 Corinthians today. As we wrap up, Paul's passage to us today will start with this word, finally. That is like saying, let me close with this. Okay, like now it's actually just going to be four short verses, but Paul is like an old Baptist preacher. That man crammed six commandments at the end. He like finally and six, bam, 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 just rapid fire six commandments. In fact, here they are. Let's look at them together. It says, finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. I love this passage. Uh, If you think about last week, last week Pastor Jared spoke about sin and confrontation and church discipline, and that's because he's the mean pastor. (laughs) This is my passage. Right now, that's... Not fair, not true. But, but if you see, Paul starts out, he says, finally, finally. So this is his wrap up. He's kind of landing the plane at this point. So it helps us if we start and say, okay, uh, what is he wrapping up? Well, if you think about the last couple of chapters, he has been defending his apostleship because there are these false apostles and there's fightings and there's factions in the church. It's all this conflict. And then he, Uh, Because of our theme of strength through weakness, remember, he boasts in his suffering. And then he talks about how he did not take money. Then he briefly mentions a vision, but he actually distances himself from it and and then quickly pivots to talking about the thorn in the flesh. Remember that? He's got this thorn. He asks God to take it away three times. No. In fact, this is a great kind of theme passage for the entire letter in chapter 12, verses 9 through 10. After he prayed for the thorn to be removed, it says, but but God said to Paul, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest on me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Strength through weakness. That is the letter that we've been studying. 
And then after that passage, towards the end of chapter 12, that's when I talked to you about how Paul is like a spiritual father and he's coming for his children. Parenting's hard, right? And they're throwing shade at him. And so we talked about that. And then uh, just last week, then the passage about how when Paul gets there, he's afraid that he's going to have to discipline his children. And again, mean old Pastor Jared, right? So that was, that was just last week. And so now we get to this week and he says, finally, finally. And what he does at this point is he shifts from a scolding tone into an affectionate tone. Because he really hopes for their repentance. In fact, while he had to warn them, as we looked at last week, remember what's going on is Paul sent Titus ahead. And then Paul's working his way gradually towards Corinth Titus met in Corinth, found out that they are tender-hearted towards Paul, likely repentance, likely restoration. He doubles back and meets Paul on his way. Paul's now in Macedonia, and he gets word from Titus that he thinks things are going to go well when he gets there. That's the expectation. Uh, Spoiler alert, it goes well. Now, of course, that's not in 2 Corinthians because he finishes the letter and sends it ahead. But if you look in Acts chapter 20, it talks about how when Paul got to Greece, that's Corinth, he spent three months there. If it didn't go well, it might have been less than three days. Okay, like that was the painful visit he had, boom, he's out. No, it went really well. He spent three months there. And while he was there, he wrote the letter to the church in Rome that we have in our New Testament called Romans. That's what we'll be studying next by the way. So that's next, next year. But what's going on now, he's, he's writing to the church in Corinth. He's writing this letter we call Second Corinthians with the expectation and hope. He's been firm. He's scolded them. So now what? Now what? Well, remember, there's been all these fightings, all these factions. And what he's saying is, listen, don't forget your family. Your family. And what he wants them to do is to embrace each other as family. So he says, finally, brothers. Now, in our modern sensibilities, we get, we get a little hung up on that. Because, hey, where are the women? Okay. Listen, Greek plays out more like Spanish than English. You know, in Spanish, the, if you say brothers, that could be, I mean, just dudes, but it could be male and female siblings. It, the, the male plural is gender inclusive in Spanish, so it is in Greek. So actually, in our, our day, we would think brothers and sisters. Okay, I don't want you to get hung up because that's not the point. The point is, he doesn't call them friends. He calls them brothers and sisters. We are family. Yeah, we fight, but we stick. We fight, but we stick. It's more, it's, it's more like a marriage than your college roommate. Remember, if you had a college roommate and you didn't get along, what'd you do? Get a new one. Bye-bye. Next year, new roommate, right? Marriage doesn't work like that. You don't, you don't fight and get a new roommate. Your family, you got to work it out. You stick, you embrace each other. Brothers and sisters, we're family. And so what he does then is he gives a, this series of six commands. You see the very first one is the third word there. He says rejoice. Now time out. Why in the world would they rejoice? There's been all this tension and all this fighting. You read the letter. It's drama. Why rejoice? And it's because of the gospel. You, we are brothers in the gospel, in the family of God. 
We'll see that as we get to the last verse. But what he's saying is, listen, don't forget, this will pass. We are in, by the grace of Jesus Christ, his payment on the cross, we're in the family of God. This will come to pass. We are going to be okay. We can rejoice, even in the midst of hardship with each other. Then the second command is, he says, aim. Well, aim, aim for what? You know the phrase, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time, Right? And so you've got to aim for something. What are you aiming for? And here he says, aim for restoration. And that's because conflict isn't the problem, people. It's a lack of conflict resolution. It's a lack of restoration. Anyone in here married? Right? Expect conflict. Your job is not to avoid conflict, but to resolve conflict well, to restore. That's a healthy marriage. It will not be conflict-free in this world. Can you restore? And that's what he's saying. Now he says aim at restoration. It's aim because you you can only control yourself, right? You can't control the other person. And so you can't guarantee restoration, but you ought to be aiming for it, right? What are you aiming for? Rebuking's not the goal. Confrontation's not the goal. Winning is not the goal. Restoration is the goal. That's the hope. That's the prayer. Have you ever seen a classic car restored? Look at this thing. Isn't that crazy? The before and the after on that? And when you see that car on the right go down the road, everybody is just rejoicing in the restoration. It's so cool. Nobody in that moment is thinking, hey, who neglected that thing on the left? That's blame placing, right? Right? Nobody's thinking, like, let's find that person and get on there. No, it's we're just rejoicing in the restoration. And could we treat our relationships like that? We're going to be less concerned about placing blame, more concerned about just rejoicing in restoration. So he tells them, aim at restoration. Okay, And then, then the next command is he says, comfort one another. Okay, let's be honest. We are way into comfort. Give me a Snuggie and a hot cup of coffee, right? Like, we love comfort for ourselves. That's not what he says. Comfort one another. Brothers and sisters, can we just acknowledge this life is really, really, really hard. And everyone in this room right now is struggling. The difference between us is some of us are better at hiding it than others. That's the only difference. Every one of us is hurting in some way. And Paul is saying, listen, your family, comfort one another. And then the next command is he says, agree with one another. Any of you read that and go, yeah, that ain't happening. (laughs) Remember, Paul is their spiritual father, right? Think of your kids. Your kids always agree. Nope, not happening, right? Just not happening. But here's the thing. I think what helps us understand what Paul is saying here with this agree with one another is this ironic statement right here. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. You know, what's that mean? In the essentials, we have to agree with one another. It has to be unity, agreement on those. In the non-essentials, we allow each other difference of opinion. There's liberty, freedom. 
And then in all these things, charity, that's not like giving out money, that's love. Love, graciousness. In essentials, unity, and non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity. So what are the essentials? Jesus, the Trinity, the gospel, that it is by grace, not by works, that it's relationship, not religion. Things like this. If you want to know what are the essentials, not too long ago we did a sermon series called Creed, where we broke down the Apostles' Creed, the essentials. You can go re-listen to that. But, but when we agree with one another on the essentials, what we're saying is we're on the same team. And that's what Paul wants them to remember. You, if, if you remember you're on the same team, it resolves so much. Now, if you're on the same team, one of you might be offense, one defense. You might play different positions. Even if you're both running backs, one might be a halfback, one's a fullback, very different approaches to the game, right? Maybe you're first string, maybe you're second string. Maybe you're a coach or support staff. The, the point is, we all wear the same color. We're, we're on the same team. We're trying to move the ball in the same direction. We win together or we lose together. We're on the same team. Jesus is our captain. He's our coach. He's our owner. All glory is his same team. Agree with one another. Realize in the essentials, we're on the same team. Don't lose that. And then, and he gives this fifth command. He says, live in peace. Now, I have to be honest with you guys. I have been a fighter my whole life in one way or another. My brother and I fought a lot growing up, a lot. Uh, He was two and a half years older. Uh, I was 98 pounds my freshman year. He was an offensive lineman. Yeah, it didn't go well. Didn't go well. Uh, but since I was so small, I got into wrestling. That's violence by weight class. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Uh, but I, I, was, I was a fighter. I remember when Shannon first met my parents. So I came from a very uh, dysfunctional family background, came to Christ late in high school, went off to college, kept growing with Christ, went on a summer mission opportunity. My family thought I was in a cult. They had no content, concept for this. So I go on this thing, and, and my, I meet Shannon. We start dating. My parents come out to meet my new girlfriend. And that very, I mean, within hours, we're at a park. My dad and I are arguing for over something. And he's like, all right, throw the first punch. Let's go. Now, Shannon, you got to know, grew up in the nicest Christian family. I called them the Waltons, okay? And, and I'm like, I, I cannot believe she stuck with me after that. Like, this is how she met my family. Like, welcome to the family. It's great. So then I rolled into ministry. And as I rolled, I took that with me such that uh, apologetics. I loved apologetics because it's a fight. Yeah, man. And so what I would do is I would try to win an argument, not to win a soul. And I would damage people in pursuit of being right. Oh, are you kidding me? And then squabbles within the family of faith and with other staff members and all that. And I'll tell you what, now I'm 53 and I'm just tired. (laughs) And And I just want to live in peace. And maybe you can relate to some of that. Think how much time and energy you and I tend to waste on fighting and gossip 
and criticism and debates and arguments and much lived out on social media and it's just gross. And what if, what if we took all that energy and poured it into something else like the kingdom of God? Growth and love and peace. And we lived in peace. That's the fifth command that Paul has for us as family. Now, what he does is he follows that right on the heels with a promise. He, he slips in a promise. He says that the law, excuse me, the God of love and peace will be with you. And it makes complete sense because listen, if we aim for love and peace, then what we do is we enjoy the presence of God because he is the God of love and peace. Of course. What we're saying when we try to live that out is we're saying, God, I want to be like you. God, I want to be with you. God, in in the midst of the chaos of this broken world and hard stuff is coming at me, I don't want to respond to those things. I want to respond to you. You cannot control the hand that you are dealt. You can control how you play your hand. And so when hard things come at you from other people in this world, We have the choice in that moment. I can say, instead of reacting to them, I'm going to respond to the presence of God within me. And that's how we live in peace. Now then he, uh, Paul gives one last command there. He says, greet one another with a holy kiss. And all the single guys in the room are like, let's talk about that. This seems like a really good idea. I like, this is in the word of God. I think we should practice this. Sister, (laughs) stop it, right? This is not romantic at all. This is not sexual at all. Think of kissing your mother. Did some of you just say, ooh? (laughs) People, this is being recorded. She could see that, okay? You're wrong, you're wrong. Others of you actually love your mother. And, and, but think about this. Why do you kiss your mom? It's not romantic. It's because family. It's love. It's commitment. It's affection in a familial kind of way. And so what happened is ancient Christians took a familial greeting and adopted into the body of Christ. And the reason why is they're saying, hey, we have been adopted by the same father in heaven. We are brothers and sisters. We are family. And they used a family greeting in a setting like this. They were saying something. And then what happened is, uh, over time, that stuck in some cultures that have been colored by Christian heritage. Even if the heritage is way distant, it's stuck in the culture. So for example, when I was in my late 20s, I, went, I was doing some missions down in Mexico and in some Latino cultures. So I, I went, I greet the dudes and there's a way they shake hands. And then the women and I shook their hand and, and the lady would lean in and she kissed me on the cheek. I'm like, whoa, I'm married. What just happened here? I didn't do that. I did not kiss her. Okay, like, but that's just their culture. And the reason why is they're saying, I'm greeting you like family. And and it's stuck in some cultures. Now, granted, the expression of the greeting can vary culture to culture. Even in Galatians chapter 2, verse 9, Paul says, Greet the brethren 
with a holy handshake. No, what's he say? He says, extend the right hand of fellowship. That's what he says there. Extend the right hand of fellowship. It's a handshake. Because some of you are huggers and some of you are not huggers, right? So, uh, wait, I went back, didn't I? Okay, so here we go. There he is. There's Pastor Austin. <laughs> so what we did is we had a staff event and we broke up into teams and your team got points if you all hugged Austin at the same time. And you can see on his face how much he loved that, right? <laughs> Just love that. Some of us are not huggers. Thing is, the expression changes culture to culture. Here's what doesn't change among the family of faith. We treat each other as family. We greet each other as family. That's the point. Why? Because we are family. We are family. Now, note this though. The greeting does not generate the feelings of family. The feelings of family generate the greeting. Okay, here's why this is important. You need Christian fellowship. You need Christian tribe in your life. You need community. You need support. You need brothers and sisters intimately involved in your life. And if you don't have that, a kiss will not do it. Think of a dating couple. It's a toxic relationship. Everyone around them thinks they should break up. They think, oh, you know what we should do? We should have sex. Because that'll fix it. No, it won't. It'll make it worse. It'll be false intimacy. See, the, the sexual involvement is just the expression of intimacy. It doesn't accomplish the intimacy. And so it is in the body of Christ. If you're not putting in the work, and it does take work, it takes investment. You gotta get in community groups and men's and women's study, whatever, you gotta invest. And if you're not putting in that time, some kiss on a Sunday morning ain't gonna do it. Right? It's just, it's the fruit from that. It's the fruit. You more, need more than a kiss to have family. Your mom's not your mom just because you gave her a kiss. See that? All right. Oh, by the way, our little family here that we call Redemption Chapel, don't forget we are part of a ginormous extended family called the body of Christ. And you see that there at the end where Paul says, all the saints greet you. Remember, saints is just another word for Christians. We are sanctified by the work of Christ. And so he's saying all the Christians from all the other churches, right now Paul is in Macedonia as he's writing this, way to the north. And he's saying, the churches I'm with here care about you, even though they've never met you. There's commitment in the family of Christ. You see, if there is a Christian, a true Christian, and you're a true Christian, you have more in common with each other than with any non-Christian on the planet, even if that non-Christian is your identical twin sibling. You have more in common with a Christian. And I've ex- some of you experience this on mission trips. You go around the world and you meet some Christians and you can't even speak their language, they can't speak yours, and yet there is such affection and love. It's the wildest thing, to but it's so cool. Because we're family. We're family. We might come from different socioeconomic backgrounds, different education levels, different political perspectives. We might have different histories and family trauma. We might be different gender, different race, different nationality. 
But if you have been adopted by God as his daughter or as his son, you're family. We're family. And we embrace each other as such. Now, this then, uh, as Paul is saying, finally, he's wrapping up the letter. This is what Christian community should be like. So here's a question. What is your impact, your influence on the Christian community right here at Redemption? Is our family better or worse because of your presence? And some of you might be saying, well, I kind of suck at this. Uh, And let me let you know why. It's because you suck. 100%. That's that's it. What, What might be going on is you might be trying to water from an empty can. And so I am so glad Paul did not end the letter right there. There is one more verse for us, and here it is. And it might sound a little familiar. He says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Does that sound familiar? Almost like the end of every service here. <laughs> uh, that, that is the foundation of the benediction we use. Now, that word benediction, uh, it means good word. Bene, like beneficial, good, okay, beneficial. Diction, like dictionary, words, okay, Benediction. It's a good word. It's a blessing that we pronounce over the congregation at the end of every service. Now, for some of you, it's really, really weird that we do that because it's like they say the same thing every week. <laughs> Listen, folks, we are so low church, right? Like there's high church and then there's like ultra casual church. Look at me for crying out loud, right? Uh, like we are so low church. It's not a bad thing that every service we throw a dog a bone. And, and, and there's something that is ritual, that there's routine, that there's something familiar and comforting in that. Now, if we turn that into a legalism, we must do that. In fact, you're not a good church unless you say those words. Ooh. Then it just went sour. But that's not it. And so it's just something comforting and familiar every week. But we don't do it just out of habit. We do it because there is some beauty in it. If you look at it, it is thoroughly Trinitarian. Meaning there is one God who eternally exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That that God in his three persons for all eternity has been in fellowship with himself. He's never been lonely. That'll be important here in a moment. But this is how we know if somebody wears the same jersey as us. The Trinity is something that every cult and every heresy messes up. The Trinity is a litmus test for orthodoxy, for being on the same team. As well, it talks about grace, love, and fellowship. That's relationship, right? It doesn't talk about works, earning, and religion. So the gospel and the Trinity become the dividing line to know if somebody is on the same team. And then if you look at what each member of the Trinity, each person of the Trinity does, the first one is grace from our Lord Jesus Christ. We need grace. Why? Because because Christianity is not about what we do, but about what Jesus has done, that we don't earn it, 
The Corinthians have already showed this. They're a dumpster fire. They're messy, but they're repentant and covered by grace. And we need grace. And then the love of God, we need it. We love it. We need it. He's been talking about our need to love each other in the family of Christ. But here's the thing. You cannot give what you do not have. You cannot water from an empty can. You can't do it. What if, what if each and every day you were soaked in the love of God, dripping with the love of God, realizing that holy cow, he he is not mad at you. He is not disappointed with you. He expected you to be messy. That's why he did the gospel. He's adopted you by grace as his daughter, as his son, and he adores his kids. And you just go out dripping in the love of God. You think that might impact your life a little and how you treat people. Soaking securely in the love of God. And then the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? That means the presence of God in your life. Connection, relationship, guidance, conviction. Can I just say praise God for conviction? Because I'm a mess. And I'm just a sinful human being. And he's a holy, wise God. And I need him convicting me and speaking into my life over and over. I need his presence. Such that the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, it's not just a Sunday morning thing. This is a relationship with God every moment, every day throughout the week. And we need that because this world is hard. Just this week, I, I was crying with a family that got a very hard diagnosis. This world is hard. And the solution is not ease in a broken world. The solution is the presence of God with us as we walk through we get home to glory. We need the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. What's wild to me, the, the God of the universe wants to fellowship with you. And we drag our feet and act like we're doing him a favor. Isn't that weird? So weird. Grace, love, and fellowship from the Son, the Father, and the Spirit. This is why back in verse 11, we rejoice. Remember, finally, brothers, rejoice. Why do we rejoice? I have grace, I have love, and I have fellowship from the triune God. Are you kidding me? Could you imagine if you soaked in those things, how that would impact how you treat others? Now, you know, uh, you're familiar with it. Our benediction adds, uh, at the end, we say, until we shall meet again or until our Savior comes... And then forever. We hint at meeting again because we're family and we can't wait to get back together to practice those six commands. And then we look forward to our Savior's return because our hope isn't in this broken, fallen world, but that He comes back and takes us home. And in the meantime, we're going to practice a little bit of heaven on earth, and that is we cling to God, His grace, His love, and His fellowship. See, all this, all this is about fellowship. The one triune God has never lacked fellowship within himself. Okay? He fellowships with himself. Secondly, we fellowship with that God. That is our deepest need being met in grace, love, and fellowship with him. And therefore, third, that impacts how we fellowship with each other. 
You see the flow. So, so we aim for restoration. We comfort one another, agree with one another, live at peace and greet one another. But it's based on our fellowship with God. And by that, I don't mean some magical prayer you prayed 20 years ago and you got baptized, whatever. No, no. I mean the fact that you are truly steeping in his grace, his love, and his fellowship every day. And when we do that, we then allow that to ripple out into our fellowship with each other. A guy named Murray Harris put it this way. Speaking of that very verse. Said the grace of Christ banishes self-assertiveness and self-seeking. The love of God puts jealousy and anger to flight. While the fellowship created by the Spirit leaves no room for quarreling and factions. What if our real problem is not a people problem? I mean, it feels that way. Doesn't it present that way all day long? I mean, people are just ticking me off, right? You feel like, uh, and our problem is with each other and other people. Like, it's just people are the problem. What if that's not actually the problem, right? Like, like when I'm being an angsty jerk, now my wife's going to say that never happens. Okay, that's no way, right? Just total hypothetical, right? Okay, so when, when I'm being an angsty jerk, what I think in the moment is that my problem is with people. But actually my big problem in the moment is that I am not steeped in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the constant fellowship of the Holy Spirit. That's my big problem. It just presents with people. Our real problem is a God problem. What if you allowed the one triune God to sit on the throne of your life? Let him overwhelm you with grace and love and his abiding presence in your life. Let him fill you. Let him lead you. Let him resolve your identity issues, your self-worth issues. Could you imagine what life would be like for us and how we would treat each other? Let me close with this. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. What I think is going on is we are trying to to water from an empty can. So this watering can is from my 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 office here. I've got a couple of plants. One's not doing so well. Uh, this one is Shannon's. It's not a competition, Shannon. Okay. Jeez. All right. So one of the plants isn't doing so well. So I wonder if what I need to do is get a longer spout or a shorter spout, or maybe I need to get a lid on this or no lid. Maybe if I paint this one, if I paint it yellow or red or blue, or you know what, maybe it's too small. Maybe I do need a bigger one. Or maybe instead what I need to do is put one of these little diffusers on the end or take it off. I mean, all kinds of things that I can tweak in this when the problem is the thing is empty. And we spend so much time and energy trying to tweak how we approach people and all this stuff. And the problem is that we're empty. And what we need to do is be filled up by grace, love, and presence from God. And then, then we can water others. What if your big problem is that you're trying to water from an empty can? And I'll tell you what, this benediction... It is both the basis for our being family, but it is also the power source for being family. 
And so I am praying that you will be steeped in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That you will be soaking with the love of the Father. And that you will be just totally enjoying the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. And then act like a church. And for that, let me pray. Father, we come to you right now, honestly, empty. And we are a people desperately in need of you to fill us. Let us know who we are in Christ, how deeply secure and loved we are. Covered by grace, we love grace not only to receive it, but to give it. We're all messy. Love of God, your presence in our lives, fill us, Lord God, please. And then out of that, would we worship you right now and would we treat each other really, really well? And I pray for that in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Redemption Chapel. Go to redemptionchapel.com for more resources and information.